2: I feel like you should really appreciate your come up. It's the most romantic part of your career.
1: When you get past all the bullshit then you're like really this was great and it did happen for a reason and the universe did make it go this way.
2: A lot of the relationships that we put ourselves through are very temporary. People come in your life for a reason. Those reasons are the stories that you tell to other people. I think it's such a beautiful time right now where people are really being encouraged to celebrate their culture and celebrate their differences and celebrate things that we've maybe been made to feel ashamed of. Yo, what's up? What's up? It's Sean Leon. Hi, it's Myrna. What's up guys? This is Khalid. Hey, what's up? It's Ali. You're listening to the Come Up Show. Get inspired.
3: Hey, welcome to the Come Up Show podcast. My name's Cheddar. I'm the host and founder of the Come Up Show. We're back the first Wednesday every month. I hope y'all summer is off to a good start. I just came from the Anderson Park. Best teeth in the game tour with Thundercat and no name. And I, I'm inspired, man. Yes, Lord. This episode is from the come up show vaults that I'm excited to share with you guys. I moderated a panel titled the future of sharing and discovery at A3C in Atlanta. My panelists were Nikhil Shaw, the co-founder of Mixcloud, Nicole Johnson, who's the head of urban marketing at Pandora, Daniel Sander, he's from Future FM, Feature.fm, which is a platform that uses technology to build marketing and analytics products for the music industry, and Nick Marriage, the co founder of Songlink, which is a platform agnostic music sharing app. We talked about the internet, streaming services, how it was changing the music industry from the artist side, the consumer side, and so much more. The future of sharing and discovery on the Come Up Show podcast. Let's go! <laughs> Hey guys, welcome. I guess we don't have no microphones today because they just took the audio board, (laughs) so we're gonna have to project our voices, and it's a music conference, so we should know how to use our voices. (laughs) Uh, My name is Chetel, I'm the moderator of this panel, The Future of Sharing and Discovering Music, and I'm gonna have uh, my panelists introduce themselves,
4: please. I'm Nick, I'm uh, one of the co-founders at Songlink. We help artists share music better.
1: Okay. Um I'm Nicole Johnson. I'm the head of urban marketing for Pandora. I started in radio about over 10 years ago. I won't say when exactly because I don't want y'all to know my age. Um, over 10 years ago in radio, and then I went into the record label. I worked for J Records, RCA Records. Um, and then I was at BET for about 10 years putting on award shows and things like that. And now I'm at Pandora in tech because that's kind of the way music is going. Uh, I'm Dan.
0: I'm the chief commercial officer at Future FM. Uh, we're a company
5: that builds marketing and advertising tools uh, for the music industry. I'm Nikhil, uh, a bit like the American coin, nickel. Um, I'm the founder of a company called Mixcloud. So we're a platform for radio stations, DJs, and, and tastemakers of all kinds who want to upload their shows and find an audience online. Um, we've got a really vibrant community of, of DJs and creators and then also listeners all over the world. And I started this because I actually started my life as a hip-hop DJ when I was about 15 I bought turntables, was watching DMC scratch videos entered a couple of competitions, didn't do that well And then thought actually I should build this platform for other DJs who are better than me (laughs) (laughs)
3: Alright, so as as you said, you're with Pandora because that's where music and tech is going I would love for any of you guys here to chime in what's the current state of where music and the music industry and how technology is influencing, where are we at right now?
1: Um, I feel like there's just so much consumption now like you guys can listen to music everywhere whereas back in the day you listened to music in your house and in your cars and that was really pretty much it, now you kind of listen to it at all times on your phone and you just consume so much of it and like especially the Generation Zers they're just kind of consuming all formats of music so it's not just like you're gonna like rock and you're gonna like pop everyone kind of likes everything and the genres are kind of crossing over now so I don't know I feel like musically it's a good place
5: and yeah I, I can share something the other side of that so that's the, the listener lens mm-hmm. and the other lens that I, I think is really interesting is that um, back when people were buying CDs and vinyl and whatever for physical format there was maybe like it's, there's some stats i've seen there were like two million songs in the world and then when it moved onto to itunes downloads there were 20 million songs in the world and now there was like more in excess of two or three hundred million we're soon going to be at a billion songs so you think about that growth of like 100 200x in the number of songs uh-huh. then the question on this panel of discovery it's just fundamentally changed how yeah. we discover because there's just too much out there yeah
0: yeah, I, mean, I, I think ultimately, you know, what we've seen is it's it's become easier than ever for any artist to get their music onto the streaming platforms, which is you know progressively more where fans are actually listening to the music. So there's a bigger supply of music than you know there's ever been in history. So it's you know even harder than ever for artists to break through the noise to reach the right fans. Um, but the fact that you know technology gives every listener their own personalized individual radio station, you know, it should also create tools to, to not have to reach all of the fans, but reach the right fans, and get your music in front of them with smart targeting, with, you know, using data to your advantage, and really making sure that your music is reaching the right fans. Um, so, yeah, it's a really interesting, you know, it's a really interesting dilemma that there's more music than ever before, but, you know, you have those personalized stations as well.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, that's how, how does
0: song, song
4: play into that?
1: Yeah, and, um, and actually
4: tell people a little bit about it sure. to, yeah. um, my partner and I would love to share music um, and I'm sure a lot of you guys a few years ago were sharing music with your family and your friends and from, from my point of view I had friends that would screenshot songs send me the screenshot and say hey look this up uh, that's, the thought, that's the problem we wanted to solve we're going to have a platform and algorithm where anybody could go to this site, look up any song, share it on multiple streaming platforms. That's how we came together Um, and then over the past year we realized, well this isn't just for fans, artists need this, artists need to share their music better. So we started selling custom smart smart links, custom URLs, uh, link analytics for those custom URLs and graphics for the releases. And guys, if for any reason, if you
3: can't hear anything clearly, we need to talk louder or whatever, repeat, please let us know, because, you know, we use our voices.
5: Uh, Mixcloud, rethinking rethinking radio, what does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and we've talked about some of the things here, personalization. Anybody
3: here familiar
5: with Mixcloud? Raise your hands up, yeah. Good, good, yeah, good. Yeah. Um, DJs who upload or listeners? Who's the DJ in the room? Listener, okay, not many DJs. Trendsetter, DJs. Trendsetter. Of friends that oh, friends are DJs, right, cool. Yeah. cool. Um, so, yeah, we came at it a few years ago. Initially, like, similar to what you talked about with Songlink, we just wanted to solve a very simple problem, which was that as as fans of DJ culture and, and radio, I um, trust the DJ is the phrase I've always thought about growing up. I, I want to listen to people that have similar taste to me, people I trust. Um, but there was just no home on the internet for people making radio shows and, and DJ sets. And we just wanted to find a better way to connect the creator and the listener Um, and then build things for listeners around personalization around better discovery and sharing Um, so yeah just you know a a powerful platform with with a richer feature set so that when you switch it on you've got something that's going to entertain you for hours that's been curated by one of the best DJs in the world so you don't have to think Nicole so you got your start in radio is that
3: right yeah Uh, like 2000 yeah you said you would want to say the years (laughs) 2000X I'll put that Oh, uh, okay, Yeah. as an intern, yeah. Um, has radio changed at all since back then to today?
1: Um, or no? I mean, absolutely. And we're talking about
3: commercial.
1: Yeah, no, commercial. commercial. I mean, it's really yeah. a place of discovery still. Like, people don't think that people still go on. And listen to the radio to discover new artists. But I think like 46% of discovery is still happening on the radio. And the rest might happen on playlists (laughs) and things like that. Back when I started, like the program director and the music directors, those were the gatekeepers. You know, and that was kind of it. You had to bang down their door. Um, But now you guys are almost the gatekeepers because you guys are spinning the songs, playing the music, and doing all that stuff. Which is like having me look at that data and realize, okay, this, you know, Juice World song is huge. We have to start playing it. You guys are forcing radio to catch up with you. Because the stream, streaming is really pushing all of that forward. Whereas before the music director really decided all that. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like it's all in the control of the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the big difference. And then there's just so many other places to consume music. So you can go on a streaming outlet, you can go on YouTube. Um, people find music just on Kylie Jenner's Instagram. That's how Bryson Taylor was discovered to a lot of different people. And Khalid.
3: Yeah. And Khalid. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, yeah. Yeah. and Russ. Yeah. I
1: mean, so like, there's a lot of different places of, of discovery now, so radio isn't the only gatekeeper. I say that's the mm. biggest difference. Mm. Um, they almost have to pay catch up to streaming now. Mm.
3: And Danny, can you tell me how a feature, is it feature.fm? Or feature or FM. Feature FM, yeah. how that plays in into this whole.
0: Yeah, I mean, so it's sort of what I was alluding to before with there being more music than ever before. I mean, essentially, we see historically radio has always been the best place to, to promote a song, to get your music heard, and everybody was knocking down the doors to get their music on the radio, and it still is, you know, the number one, you know, the number one discovery tool. But what we're seeing now is with the rise of streaming and, you know, and lean back listening and digital services, that, you know, it's it's that the power of radio hasn't changed, but the way people listen to it is drastically changing. So, you know, where it used to be, you would get your song on the radio and it plays to, you know, a, a massive audience at once, now everybody has their own individualized radio station. So anybody can get their music onto the streaming services, but once it's there, it's okay, now how do I actually get it heard? How do I get it discovered? So at Feature FM, essentially what our vision is is to help artists, help labels get their music in front of the right audience while they're listening inside of the streaming services in a way that, you know, you're actually getting your song into people's individualized radio stations. So that's why we created the, you know, essentially the concept of feature FM four years ago. Our initial vision was to be... You know a sponsored song company a company that allows artists to actually boost their music the same way you could boost a post on facebook inside of the streaming services so that any artist of any size could ultimately get the same power of radio promotion that was really you know blocked off by all the gatekeepers and broadcast radio mm.
3: gatekeepers as he said Nicole. call like these, these people we the listeners have become the gatekeepers Mm -hmm. uh can you guys tell me what role does algorithms or data play into what you guys do or what your platform is about
4: yeah Yeah. for us algorithm is everything okay i mean we were built on that Uh,
3: yeah how does that so because as you guys if you guys don't know like song link is like you know when you have an, an album's ready and like and then it's a link that you click and then it has spotify apple music it has all these different options of what you can click right that's what that's what it is right. so how how does algorithms play because well that's, would, our, yeah, that's our that's yeah, our base yeah, right yeah, it's an
4: algorithm yeah. of somebody being able to come search yeah. any song yeah. or album and be able to click listen buy yeah. share that song mm. that was built on an algorithm mm.
3: and so do you guys what do you guys do when you see oh, yo this is really pop do you just do you have a hands-off approach in terms of like, wow, this is really blowing up, or we're just, people are...
4: Yeah, and, well, we, yeah. we released a thing called Top Links yeah. um, that we post every single Monday. What we found is there was a lot of artists sharing song links, and so we kind of wanted to create competition between them of who had the most trending song link of the past week, who mm-hmm. um, with the top plays, used shares, and so that's where we put a lot of energy there, especially when artists wanted to know their analytics. We didn't have an analytics platform yet. So we had to find a way to bridge the gap between, okay, these, you know, uh, two weeks ago, Mike Studd had a song blew up, right? Well, it blew up because, um, you know, the, the different ways of him sharing, but him finding out, oh, I was the number one popular song last week on the song.
5: And
1: you guys? Um, yeah. well, with Pandora, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, with Pandora, we have like the genome. You guys can go and Google Pandora's genome. It's kind of the first, right? Um, we have so much data over the ten plus years, um, and what it is is we have about fifty musicologists slash scientists that are in Oakland, and they study every piece of music that comes into Pandora. That's why when you're listening to the radio station, the next song is exactly what you wanted to hear. It's because these people have, like, really studied exactly what you want to hear. So they put, like, there's 450 attributes that go into one song. So, like, pitch or, like, melody or this or that, 450 of those that's how they figure out what's going to play next um, on your station. So, I mean, we use algorithms on a daily. That's kind of what Pandora was based on, um, finding out what you like, um, how much you'll listen to a song before you skip. Um, so we, we can go back and tell the artist, you know what, you might want to change that look or you might want to do a remix or you might want to add somebody to it because at this point, <laughs> 60% of your audience is leaving. Um, So we use a lot of that, a lot of data. Um, Right now, if you go on nextbigsound.com, you can go there and you can look and see how many stations people create using your name. So if I can sit down with LMA and say, you know what? Seven million people have created stations just by using your name. So they love you and they love your whole vibe and everything you're bringing and they want more of it. It's a great indicator when you're talking about data. and then, obviously, spins and all that. You can see all that kind of stuff on Next Big Sound. So, yeah, we're just all about what the listener really wants to hear on Pandora.
5: Yeah, our perspective on algorithms is that algorithms are obviously crucially important because there's, like I was saying earlier, there's so much music out there, you need the data to help find the signal from the noise. But we generally, our philosophy at Mixed Guys, we think that people are loyal to people. People are not loyal to algorithms. So we use the algorithm to get the listener to a human expert, um, a DJ they can trust and and, for, and love and become loyal to. And then what we find that that is really powerful on our platform is that um, a radio presenter or a DJ will have a regular series like you know, they might have a, a weekly mixtape or a monthly show and then people keep coming back and they have this really like loyal kind of relationship they create and, and the algorithm gets you as a listener to the right person but then after that that person takes over. Mm-hmm. I,
3: I want you to expand on that a little bit because we think everything is AI and yeah, algorithms and like it makes us like humans are going to be extinct or irrelevant in terms of technology mm-hmm. but you said when people what advantages do human beings or people personalities
5: have uh, compared to algorithms yeah right I mean yeah. it's funny because you say that like yeah. AI and, and the take, robots are going to take over robots, like <laughs> the robots taking over actually means that more people in the world are going to have creative jobs because the to, jobs yeah right and there's okay. a macro trend happening in the world that like okay. you know co-working spaces creative co-working spaces are going up more people are working in creative industries like in the uk where i live the creative industries is growing at a faster rate than every single every other industry mm. um more people are taking creative jobs and that's a great thing for humanity and it means that actually people are doing things they love mm. and now we just need to find ways of getting making money for them
3: <laughs> yeah uh, is it, do you guys have a bot? Like a Facebook bot or one of you guys? A Slack bot. Yeah, Slack bot. No, okay, what is it? What is a that? Slack
4: app that okay. um, you go in the Slack, you type backslash song link, and then you can type in any song. So okay. people work, there's a lot. There's over like 500 um, startup teams, different Slack yeah. groups, while they're at work, they're sharing music. Is,
3: should artists be considering bots? Because I've seen some like, say, Facebook fan page where like, you know, an artist has a new song and
0: it's, you think it's like, that artist talking to you but it's an actual yeah AI. i i, I yeah. think the the potential of bot technology is is really amazing for marketing your music yeah uh, i think what we see is that today the technology isn't there yet to uh, you know in a way that in a in a way that it's that it's seamless right so if you're talking to a bot you know eventually it's going to get broken you know uh, if if it doesn't you know if it doesn't have the right technology to know how to respond eventually you'll get to a place that it breaks i think today from what we see, the best use of bot technology is not to try to trick a fan into thinking that they're talking to you, but to be upfront with them. Hey, this is my bot, but use it as a communication tool for inbound traffic. Fans are messaging you on Facebook Messenger. Hey, you know, this is my artist bot, but hey, did you know that I released a new song or a new album? And not try to trick them into, hey, have a conversation with me or you know, try to do something that's overly complicated, but keep it very simple. Keep it very, uh, you know, very short to unique stories. Uh, I think it's an amazing communication tool. Um, absolutely, I think it you know capitalizes on fans that you know are literally reaching out to you. You know, on fans that have now subscribed and you can communicate with directly. Uh, they have amazing engagement rates, amazing open rates. But you know, don't try to use them for something more than they're ready to be used for. Mm. So yeah, the, the powerful thing
3: because bots are using using messaging services, right? Like mm-hmm. Facebook Messenger mm-hmm. or stuff like that. Which is like uh, people should start paying attention to mes- messaging platforms, right? Like in terms of is that like is Especially do you see that like yeah
4: entre- entrepreneurial artists yeah entrepreneurs co- that cover that like first ten to fifteen percent of conversation, generating more conversation, allowing more people to see your music, allowing more conversations to happen. Yeah, I see that being necessary. If you have a small team, you don't have a lot of time. Mm-hmm. You have to learn how to expand your time yeah. at the same time expanding your sound. Yeah. It's a great, great tool. To I wonder what's the, what's the makeup
3: of this room? Uh, if you're an artist, raise your hand. Uh, producer, uh, management, okay, a bunch of managers. Did I have? I miss any other areas? Record label. <laughs> Record label? Okay, cool. Developers. The, developers? Okay. Tech startup. Tech startup, okay. Um, running discovery platform. Okay. For, so you're getting for song league, People are sharing. They're seeing all these analytics. So like, what are the like the the, the where people where are people sharing music the most, or
4: what are interesting things you're seeing from the from the dashboard? Um, people love playing the YouTube. Like we have an experience that shows all the platforms, but at the bottom of the footer, it shows the actual music video. Um, I don't know personally how I would feel in the beginning of that, but over time I've seen that there was a lot of artists or a lot of fans that are interacting more on a visual front versus going directly Can to the, the platform. Yeah. So, a mu- as you were saying, the music videos are more right. engaging yeah, compared it's to more a more engaging, yeah. I think, from a UX experience, Okay. going to the platform seeing that they have a video, they'll hop to the video versus hopping to the streaming platform. Mm.
1: But I feel like does that only last for the, that initial discovery? And yeah. then are they on to another platform to actually listen to the True. Yeah. Because
3: video, you have to be uh, engaged. Like, literally, yeah. the YouTube app, unless you have YouTube yeah. Premium, whatever, it's got to yeah. be open on your phone, <laughs> yeah. and you gotcha. can't do nothing else. Yeah, but right. if it's audio, you can do whatever. Yeah, there's
5: these crazy stats of, like, how soon 80% of the internet is going to be video but at the same time so we're living percent of Instagram of, of the internet of the internet it's gonna, oh. some crazy stat that like yeah. the internet is becoming video yeah okay. I feel like,
4: just 20, like by 2020 like most um, traffic most like commercials are just straight up videos
2: and you know, Everything's like oh. straight up video uh-huh. motion videos. yeah right
3: does that mean in terms of because video takes so much bandwidth or it yeah. actually means like no a lot of people
5: well I think it's record. what I was going to say is that yeah. it's, it's crucially important people do love to engage with the visual format but yeah. <laughs> at the same time we are living in an age of audio because we've got these voice technologies everywhere we've got speak like you were saying earlier speakers everywhere we go we've either got headphones or some connected speaker Mm. or Sonos in the corner so actually we're living in a world of like just multimedia everywhere so i think video is important but we've you know we've got a platform but audio is obviously
3: important there's also podcasting because i feel like nowadays uh somebody paying attention to a four minute music video is like Throughout it is like oh my god you're getting yeah. you're scratching like oh my god I gotta. <laughs> you're asking for yeah. so much. Do you asking for so? You got ADD basically. Yeah. I, that's how I see it. Like I, that's, you're asking for a lot of my attention unless it's a really really dope music videos are kind of making a comeback because there's a lot of amazing ones coming out. Yeah, uh, I think
1: Pandora's launching about a hundred podcasts in the yeah. coming months. I mean, and you can see it on Spotify and everywhere else. That's kind of where everyone's going. They're away from blogs. Yeah. Or on you know the whole podcasting lens of everything. Okay, so how can
3: Sorry, how can artists break through this noise man
1: get an interview on a podcast i'm kidding. <laughs> like how uh,
3: if there is so much uh demand for attention like you know, what hope is there for the up-and-comer the indie person
5: well one of the things so when we were talking about the bot stuff earlier yeah um you know my thinking in that conversation was if you take it up a level just extrapolate from the bot example what you're talking about there is how do you Create more deep, meaningful relationships with your biggest and most loyal fans, and I think that's like that's super crucial. When we started Mixcloud, it's, it's, starting a company is quite similar to being an artist, actually, in the first, in the early years, because you're trying to build an audience, you're trying to create a user base, and you're starting from nothing. And the crucial thing for us was just like investing in community, you know, being really focused and really super serving the people that loved us initially, and having a really deep community strategy, and not trying to just be all things to all people straight away so I think yeah. finding tools and ways to really connect with your biggest fans and then just make them your brand can you give me an
3: example how did you guys invest in the community what were you doing I mean,
5: what we did yeah. very simply was just focused on we started in London um, there's this thing called the bowling pin strategy in tech which is that you, you have this like, initial core area you focus on so for us it was like the London DJ scene so eBay when eBay launched it focused on antiques when Facebook launched they focused on Harvard When we launched, we were like, London, the DJ scene, basically all the DJs I'd booked for the last five years for all my parties. And therefore, when we launched, it felt like something that was really relevant to the people in London. They were like, fuck, this place is... There's people I know on this, there's DJs I've seen, and it felt relevant. But then because London is such an important hub for music globally, it spread. Flavoring, mm. yeah,
1: and that's the same with artists. I mean, when artists come to me, I'm an artist. So I want to be this or that. And like, dude, where are you from? Atlanta? Does anybody know you in Atlanta? Yeah. No. Okay, we'll start there. You know what I mean? Like, your 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 own community should know who you are, and then take you to the next level, as opposed yeah, yeah. to you just wanting, you know, to be there and there. But and now the data is there. You can find out exactly where your listeners are, what they like to do, what they listen to, and make music for them.
0: Yeah, we were just talking about this earlier, like earlier in the day. Um, And it's exactly what Nikhil was saying also, is it was rewarding your most loyal customers Mm -hmm. and and really building that community. And uh, we were talking about, there's a book called Marketing Lessons from the Grateful Dead. I highly recommend it to anybody. It's easy read, best marketing, music marketing book I've read. One of the things that they did so well was they focused solely on who are our current fans and how do we give them the best value? You know, how do we give them the VIP tickets? How do we give them you know, the the, um, you know, the free merch. And by building their core community, that then attracted other fans. So rather than focusing on the new fans and neglecting your current fans, focus on who are the ones that care about me now. And, you know, and you first, of course, need to build that fan base, but again, as, as you were mentioning, like in, you know, look at who your community is. Like, would you rather have uh, you know would you rather have fans consolidated in one city or would you rather have more fans spread out around the world it's going to be a lot more powerful to have more fans in a single place so you know, try to keep it focused and try to really reward your current fan base and mm-hmm. it'll grow from there mm-hmm. uh, marketing lessons from the Grateful Dead Thank you. highly recommend it it's and amazing. I'll give uh, a quick example
3: because I'm a music journalist so I have a platform where I promote uh, artists and uh, this artist, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm, I'm from Toronto, so this artist, he had uh, an album that was about to come out, so he invited maybe 10 to 15 people th- from the media, bought a couple of Domino's pizza, a bottle of whiskey and gin, and played the record track by track and explained this, this is what this track means to me. At the end of it, we were all engaged, and so when it came to go time, when his album was about to come out, he had interviews. We had reviews. We had all this momentum building up. And that probably didn't cost them the pizza and the bottle, more than $100, $200 max. And he got a crazy engagement because I'm getting our music submission email. I barely check it. We receive 100 emails per day from music from all around the world because there's no barriers. You can make, Mr. Programmer, you can make a song today and upload it and you're an artist. Right, so... Uh, it's, all programmers, people like me, are saturated. There's way too much going on. Mm-hmm. So these are things you could do right now, wherever you're at. And I feel like sometimes artists, even if you have five or 10 artists, they feel like, oh, they discount them and they're looking at like a million or they want to be a superstar, but they're discounting their day ones. Have you guys ever heard of that term, yeah, yeah. day ones? Aren't day ones, if some of you guys, maybe day ones of artists that are your favorite, whether J. Cole or Kendrick. You love that artist and you ride for them. You also currently probably have day ones, and how can you engage on that, and how can you, you know build on that? Does that make sense?
1: Well, one more thing I yeah. just want to add. You guys really are new artists and management. You guys have to be really conscious of your own brand and what you're bringing to the table. Because people like Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, whoever, they might not want to align with you and help push your music forward on their platform if they're not agreeing with some of the moral things you're doing on a daily basis. So then you have artists that you know promote themselves on their own Instagrams and don't care. But that's only going to get you so far. you it, Only so many artists are successful doing it by themselves. You obviously need other brands and other partners to be supporters of you. So I think you just need to watch your image as well. Mm -hmm. It's really important. You don't have guns everywhere. You don't have charges and this and that. Like, people like, Mm -hmm. like, hip-hop is pop music now, okay? And people like aligning with pop artists because they're safe. So you guys got to, you can be yourselves, but you have to be safe. You know what I mean? So that's something I just always yeah. want to tell you guys. Well, especially if you want to get them <laughs> dollars. If You want to get those dollars? Listen. Is that what we're here for? <laughs> to get money and shit? Yeah. Right? Because yeah.
3: yeah. Pandora, you've done Absolutely. concerts, right? So if you are looking at, oh, I want to book this person for something yeah. Pandora's got, and you're looking at their IG, and it's... And I'm
1: like, ah, yeah, no. That, that's <laughs> yeah. not going to work. It's to make
3: up. And up makes money. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you talked about how hip-hop is pop. So from you guys, can you tell me how hip-hop music uh, whether it be the artists and listeners, how is it different in terms of consumption and and and, and what you guys are seeing compared to other genres?
0: We see uh, we see hip hop fans more than any other genre of what we would define as music hunters. You know, they're the ones that are out there. They're looking for the next hot track. They're looking for music to find, versus you know other genres where it's more lean back kind of music finds them and they've you know discover an artist they like it so. And when we are doing essentially sponsored song campaigns or or ad campaigns or promotional uh, campaigns for uh, hip-hop music, they tend to perform at a much higher rate in terms of engagement because we see that the the listeners are really just searching for it. You know, they're actually out there actively looking for, you know, looking for the track. So when you're putting promotional content in front of them, they're more likely to check out, hey, you know, what is this? So we definitely see hip-hop genre being the most popular that comes into Feature FM uh, but also the most engaging.
1: Same with Pandora. Hip hop's right at the top. Um, Hip hop and R and B, and it's separate, guys, because a lot of people like to lump them together. Because R and B is its whole. It's it's on its whole other like. It's exploding. It's killing it um, right it's now, It's exploding, right? yeah. yeah. We did a end-of-year show with SZA Ty Dolla and a lot of the guys are like, oh, this hip-hop show. I'm like, this ain't hip-hop. This is an R&B show. You know what I mean? And look where it's going. So, I mean, R&B, hip-hop, they over-index on our platform. A lot of the um, brands that, that come in and want to do shows with us, they want to do a hip-hop-leaning show. Um, so they want to align with that because you guys are kind of setting the tone. Um, so it, it, it's interesting. It's fun. I mean, you're seeing a lot of executives of color especially being promoted um, because they are also leading the charge in the building. So it's a great time mm. to be alive. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
5: I, I completely agree with Nicole that obviously hip-hop and R&B, they're, they're growing and they're paving their own lane. But actually at the same time, what we're seeing on Mixcloud is that um, there's a lot of, some of our most popular DJs that describe themselves as open format. Yeah. So this thing we were talking about earlier that the genre, defi- genre boundaries are falling away and a lot of the club DJs, a lot of the successful DJs that play electronic music and hip-hop and, and pop side-by-side side and just mash it up in, a, in an interesting way and actually sometimes, I, I personally think the, the most interesting music out there is the stuff that is undefinable because yeah. that makes you unique. That's right. Um, and so like thinking about the world without these lenses and goggles of genre and just being yeah. you...
4: Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. And from a, from an artist side, we're finding that hip hop artists, R and B artists, people in that space are finding more creative ways to share their music, um, and that's why over fifty percent of our audience, especially from a listener point of view, is hip hop. I believe that a lot of artists are being proactive. It's you know Instagram campaigns, if it's just song campaigns, like you said, uh, we've had posts of artists. Yeah, can you give me examples of what yeah, you're like seeing? Walking yeah. through songs and talking about how this song meant so much to them, what it, where they were at the time. You know, an artist I remember talking about how he was in his car on the way to work and how he wrote four of his eight songs on his last EP on his way to work. It, it, being able to explain that with your fans, uh, being able to be interactive with your fans, it makes it humanizes the artist to allow fans to be able to find a connection deeper than their music. Mm
3: know uh, so you guys have a pre-save feature that you just launched for Spotify and Apple Music, mm-hmm. and basically, you know, before when you were buy or buying music on iTunes, you would pre-order it, but now there's the streaming equivalent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this. I don't know if you know, does
0: that make a difference
3: in the algorithms of Spotify or Apple?
0: So, yeah, I mean, there's actually a a lot more value that meets the eye when it comes to pre-saves. First, is is anybody here not familiar with pre-saves or how they work? So, yeah, so ultimately, you know, a pre-order means, you know, your album's coming out in three weeks. I can go to Amazon and I can pre-order it, or I can go to iTunes and pre-order it. But what's the, uh, the equivalent on Spotify, or on Apple Music, where you can't pre-order music? Uh, so we created something called a pre-save. So you can actually actively market your music to fans before it's released, and they can pre-save it on Spotify. So what we do is that means that on the day of your release, we'll automatically add your music to everybody's libraries who pre-saved it, uh, and also make sure that they follow you on the platform. Uh, so the first thing is that on the day of the release, you're going to automatically have uh, more fans that have your music in their libraries, which inherently means more streams and you know, hopefully helps your music uh, you know, grow in the streaming platforms. But really, there's, there's a whole other side of the value because fans that are pre-saving, um, they actually log in with their Spotify account. They log in with their Apple Music account, with their Deezer account. And when they pre-save, they can opt in to sharing their email address with you. So the, the, the other side of the value is now you actually have fans that you, know, they didn't, you don't just see, hey, they, you know, they interacted with, uh, with my song. You actually know who they are. You can contact them. So now they're actually in your world of, uh, you know, of your business. So you have a concert. You can reach out to them. Hey, I'm coming to your area. Buy concert tickets. Hey, I have you know, my next album coming out. Pre-order it. Hey, I'm releasing a music video. So on one hand, you're actually getting um, you know, more of the streams and more of the saves and more of the interactions with your music. But on the backside, now you're getting amazing data and amazing uh, email addresses and actually fans that you can now contact. And you can actually see information about them. You know, what do they listen to? Who, you know, are they a free user? Are they a paid user? Because you actually make more money on the streaming services from fans who pay for the streaming services. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can now you know reengage them and contact them. And we use this term a lot called uh, return on engagement when you're actually, you know, looking to uh, advertise or run a promotional campaign. Uh, because the, I would say the, the best, um, like what we see, is, is fans are more, uh, you know, it, it's less transactional. We're more in a renting, uh, renting environment where fans are, you know, they're streaming music, they're they're paying subscriptions, they're actually renting. So you, what you want to do is continue to engage those fans. So you want to know who your fans are. And whenever you're coming out with new material, with new items, having a concert, you want to be able to, to build up that uh, that fan base that you can continue to communicate with. And, uh, yeah, sorry, you got a question? Yep. Uh, yeah, I had a question. Kind
4: of going off of you talking yep. about the streaming numbers and stuff like that. So from the perspective of, like,
2: a label or an A&R or something like that, we're in a very statistic-driven market now to where they're, They're looking for artists who are doing these big numbers, like these big streaming numbers or have big social media followings and things like that. What tools are there
4: out there for these people to survey and see, like, oh, this song that dropped four days ago was doing crazy numbers, let me go check this out, or this streaming? You know what I'm saying?
2: Like, is there a a monitoring or surveying tool that kind of looks at all that stuff to where you can see, like, who's really popping right now?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's there's a number of different companies that we've seen that are doing sort of A&R discovery analytics. Um, I mean, Chartmetric is one of them that, you know, that I know people use. Um, there's a few out there. Off the top of my head, I'm, you know, drawing a blank a little bit, but there's definitely a, a lot out there that essentially have, you know, playlisting numbers and, you know, stream counts and ways to sort of discover, um, artists, So I know that there's there's a lot out there. Um, Next Big Sound. Sure. So you guys bought the other one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Next Big <laughs> Sound, obviously. And <Sounds laughs> <is one. Yeah. laughs>
1: you can get social numbers as well, Twitter, engagement, yeah. mentions. Um, you can find out what states, you know what I mean, is popping off each song. Uh, mm-hmm. Chart data, prediction charts, trendsetters, all that.
0: Mm-hmm. What was the first one you said, Chart metric? It's called Chart Metric. Chart. Chart,
3: chart. chart, chart. Metric.
4: Chart, chart
0: Metric.
3: So I, I, saved, I screenshotted this like a couple of weeks ago, uh, somebody that I follow on Twitter named Noah Miller. So he was saying, the secret to getting into more Spotify playlists is utilizing the pre-save feature. The artist who uses this tool boosts their engagement between listeners, which triggers a Spotify's playlist algorithm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, because obviously, these companies, they're not going to tell us their secret sauce or how they do whatever. But take that in, especially when you got a record about to come out, pre-save. Make them take action right away. Uh, question over here?
2: Yeah, speaking of playlists, um, in terms of marketing or from the marketing mind, for influencers in the music discovery space, me, space or playlists like myself with micro-platforms, um, do you have any marketing tips for
3: like,
1: how I can get my playlists or my digs out to a larger audience, except for just my Instagram followers?
3: Mm-hmm. Is there no, You guys don't have playlists, right? No, People, it, it's just uh, actual songs. Okay. Uh, go ahead.
6: <laughs> so, um, I think in the space right now, there's like a lot of independent, like Indie Mono. I don't know if you've heard of Indie Mono or uh, Soundplate sound or uh, Submit Hub, where for a lot of independent artists right now, you're able to go and submit for free uh, based on what you were saying from Pandora, uh, what she was saying about like the. Danceability or like oh, everything. yeah, you know, how, that's mm-hmm. exactly how the in, independent playlist work mm-hmm. So it'll, it'll draw you up all the metrics of it And so you're able to submit based on what your song sounds like and it is. and it's super helpful for the independent artists right now So, mm-hmm.
3: so <clears> uh, is purchasing music basically gonna be like not a thing anymore in the future because we're talking about we're heading towards an uh, access Streaming rather than ownership <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I mean, it yeah. feels like people yeah. post are are uh, purchasing vinyl. Vinyl's yeah. on the rise. Like, yeah. the old school music That's people nice definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a nice little trend right now. But as far as purchasing, I
5: don't know what you yeah, mean, I mean, vinyl is like, um, the funny thing about right. vinyl is that Mm-hmm. It, most of the vinyl that's bought now isn't listened to.
1: Mm-hmm. Isn't, listened, it isn't to. listened to. Isn't listened to. People buy them as Time gifts them. and they stick they them on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it's, it's, it's hipsters doing it.
5: But it's, yeah. to be honest. But it's, yeah. an, it's an interesting trend, it. right? Because what yeah. it shows, yeah. what it shows, is that people are engaging with that artist in order to buy something and own it and give it. And so that's actually really meaningful, right? Mm-hmm. If they listen to it or not, it doesn't matter. The fact is, people want something that they can. It's like a t-shirt. Engage with a t-shirt, a gig ticket. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
0: is a piece of merch in a yeah. sense. It's a you know, it's a piece of art that you, you know, that you associate with the artist. You know, people aren't buying CDs to listen to it. They're streaming yeah. music, but you buy the vinyl because it represents, you know, an artist that you believe in. It represents the art. So I think we sort of see vinyls as definitely a piece of merch. Nice. Um I think interestingly in terms of just our digital download's gonna go away, from what we see right from what we see right now is um is uh in the EDM space and in you know in the DJ world actually a lot of DJs still and you guys you know might be able to back it up but from what we see is that uh you know, that's where very much digital downloads are still very popular a lot of DJs want to have the music actually own it for how they use it uh whereas the general consumption of listening is going to be you know much more towards streaming so we see general listeners are definitely going, you know, more towards streaming. But um, that's why companies like uh, services like TrackSource that we see that are very much in the digital download space, even though Port, which is very much electronic focused, um, you know, have their niche of you know electronic DJs that want to own, you know, the act- they want to
5: take ownership over the actual songs for how they're going to use it. Uh, but it- yeah, I just want to pick up on a couple of the questions around like what we've learned from the consumption we've seen on the platform we are talking about you know, the EDM and the DJ space there. Um, we've got a really big community of big, successful you know, D- electronic DJs on the platform. And one of the things that we've learned from them that I think I-, I see applied less to the hip-hop world is that a lot of the successful DJs on our platform who are now kind of touring globally, some of the biggest electronic DJs in the world, they've used their regular radio show as a way to build a really big, loyal fan base in different countries. Um, they do a show, you know, every week. It goes out for free. They've got people listening to them for, you know, one or two hours a week. And you could put out radio shows m- way more regularly, or DJ mixes more regularly than you can an album or a song, right? How do they pr-
1: promote that to get all around the world?
5: Yeah, so I think so. That's the the question. Then is about like just grafting. it. so the other thing to answer the question of growing your playlist base. I can't answer that from the perspective of Spotify, but what we see on Mixcard is that it's consistency, regularity and then building that community around it. So the ones that do really well on Mixcloud are the ones that have a weekly show, and it's up every week at like Mm -hmm. the same time, you know, Wednesday morning or Monday morning. And Mm -hmm. people just keep coming back and then that audience grows and grows over time. Mm -hmm. And that becomes their calling card and they start getting booked in different cities, different countries, because people are listening to their shows.
3: I'm actually noticing that trend for artists because yeah, maybe you drop an album once a year or whatever, but you can do other things now. That you may be interested in creatively, mm-hmm. and build an audience. Whether it is a lot of artists are doing podcasts now, that whatever it could be, a conspiracy podcasts, it doesn't matter what it is. That they're interested in,
2: because this is the <laughs> stuff that they do
3: outside outside of music, and they're building an audience and they have a constant, you know, building that rapport. Yeah. So when it comes to go time of buy something or I'm doing
5: this now, uh, they're ready to go. So on Monday, Dead Mouse just uh, announced his new radio show, which is uploaded every Monday exclusively on Mixcloud. You know, that's one of the biggest electronic arts in the world. And he's going to the effort of doing a radio show every week because he knows it's going to get him regular engagement with his fans and not just mm-hmm. ad hoc.
3: Yeah, because is it, is it because you're building such a, like, a rapport or like you're doing so much for your audience when it comes to time for asking for something? They're like, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like you're kind of building leverage with that. Is that is I that think right? it's, it's
5: leverage, but yeah. it's regularity, it's yeah. also intimacy. Because if you're giving someone something every week and they're listening to, there might be some voice in there, there might be a bit of like, hey, this is Dead Mouse, you're listening to my show. And then you're presenting the music, your your own music, but also what you listen to. You're getting a window into what that person is about. Mm. And that's like, radio's always been super intimate.
1: Yeah, people love authentic people and authentic mm-hmm. moments, hence Cardi B. I mean, she was huge on Instagram. People followed her. And there's a lot of these Instagram stars now that are all becoming rappers and singers, Queen Haja. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that start on Instagram or YouTube and things like that just mm-hmm. by showing their lives mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis and being real real at it. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. that's really going very far as well. Because so. you are a human being. You're human. Day, we want to see you know, your yeah. ups and downs, not just your highlight reel. Okay, interesting. Yeah.
2: For nickel, correct? Yeah. Um, oh, God, I just blanked out. oh, I know what I was going
6: to say. <laughs> have you heard of Stationhead? Is that similar to what Mixcloud is? Station head. You know it's like you, a, you can
2: have yeah. your own radio show.
5: I, d- I don't know that specific service, so... <laughs> okay. like, yeah. because
2: I've heard of it before, but I don't know where it's at now, but I was trying to relate that to what your class Yeah, but that
5: statement of you can have your own radio show, that's definitely mm-hmm. what we're about, is democratizing... Mm-hmm. You asked earlier what you know. What is that tagline? We think radio. It's about democratizing it as well, so that yeah. it's not just the station manager who decides these are the twenty DJs we have, yeah. but anyone can make a show, upload it. The big thing that we've done is we've paid all the rights. That's the so big that thing. Because I've had a radio show for yeah. seven years. Yeah. I used to upload my stuff to SoundCloud. No, nope, it gets deleted. Yeah, well, right. Mixcloud is official. <laughs> that, that's the biggest thing we haven't talked about that we've if done. You are yeah, playing,
3: if you're uploading mixes and that's an hour long, that's copyrighted. You know, right. you can't just have a, a drink song mix and yeah. put it up to SoundCloud to be good. No, it's gonna be gone, but... Uh,
5: so we put a lot yeah. of work into, yeah. Yeah. and my co-founder Nico there in the room, who's, uh, <laughs> who's put a lot of effort into working with all the different rights owners, labels, publishers, songwriters all over the world to make sure that we can do that legally and pay the right people.
3: Okay, dope. Uh, Daniel, so through Feature FM, uh, there's this, there's like, you can advertise your music in streaming platforms, is that right?
0: Like yeah. sponsored songs? Yeah. So, yeah, the concept of sponsored songs is actually where the company started. And uh, I kind of alluded, it, uh, alluded to it before, but, you know, it generally came out of that idea that, you know, any artist can get their music onto the streaming services, but then it's like, okay, how do I actually get my music heard? So we were looking at, you know, what are the different types of solutions in, uh, you know, in other industries. And we saw that in Facebook, you can go to Facebook ads and you can boost a post on Facebook. In Twitter, you can go to Twitter ads, you can boost a tweet on Twitter, you see sponsored search results in Google, but there was no equivalent of that inside of the streaming services. There was no sponsored content. So we created something called the sponsored song, where imagine you're listening to streaming radio, and after every four songs, instead of getting uh, an audio ad, you just get another song. And it's sponsored. You're told it's sponsored, both audibly and visually. Uh, but it's targeted to you based on your listening behavior, uh, your favorite artist, your listening habits. So we have our own targeting uh, algorithm uh, that you know, I was talking back about algorithms before, but that essentially will place your song to the right person, but it's completely native. Uh, so we first integrated it with a company called 8 and then we expanded it to Deezer, who's currently our largest um, uh, global partner that has sponsored songs and uh, what's unique about it is that the songs play directly from the Deezer catalog so it's not an ad you know it's native just like that sponsored post on Facebook so when a fan gets your sponsored song they can interact with it like any other song they can add it to a playlist they can follow you as an artist we guarantee it's heard for at least 30 seconds but it's the full song play if the fan wants to keep listening Uh, and we really saw it as a way to you know just like I was talking about before uh, with the concept of radio promotion it's a way that you know less than two minutes, you can guarantee your music's being heard by the right audience uh, and getting that exposure. Um, And, you know, we see a lot of of artists that are advertising or that are putting music out there saying, hey, you know, click here to listen to it. And we, you know, we see that no one's going to become your fan until they've actually heard your music, until they've actually experienced it. So rather than trying to say, hey, click here to listen to my music when they might not have even heard of you, we're starting with the song play. We're saying, here's my music, now decide if you like it or not. And it's all about that exposure. And that's, yeah, that's the concept behind it. Audio graphics, tell me a little bit about that. Why is it
4: important? Sure, just graphics overall. Yeah. Um, Well, second to analytics, a lot of artists came to us and said, hey, I just have my album cover and 30 seconds overplaying. I need more collateral. So over time, we realized that if we made Instagram story posts and as well as uh, stories, then that could be more collateral for them to use on their releases. Mm-hmm. So that's what we've built over these past uh, three months. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is something that you guys can actually do? Like, yeah, uh, we somebody, do it all in-house. The we artist have a designer who's yeah. uh, okay. on staff. <laughs> so it's also using that asset as well. Yeah. As do you guys company.
3: know what I'm talking about? So when you have a new song, say you have a new album or whatever, then how are you going to... You have the album cover, but you can't post the same album cover ten times on your Instagram. It's gonna get it's right. it's <laughs> bad. It's
4: bad. You see it every day. Well, I say you can't. Some people do it, but it's, the, it's not good. <laughs> sure. and yeah, and it's interacting with them and saying yeah. that um, in the past they might have paid somebody, you know, sixty dollars per hour, mm-hmm. um, hired a graphic designer to help them create some of their um, just releases or just ideas or posters, uh, and coming to us and just. Finding <coughs> a simplified process that they can have in addition to their song length and their analytics was a need for us mm. and for the artists. Okay, so we got like le- around ten minutes left in, in
3: our panel today. Um, uh, so we've you guys mentioned some like uh, resources. Is there anything else that you want to say uh, that leave uh, the audience our audience with today?
1: Um, I would definitely tell everyone yes. to go to the AMP Playbook. Um, just Google AMP Pandora's AMP Playbook. Um, on there, you can. Uh, feature a track if you have a new song up so it'll be pinned to the top of your radio station if you have a station on Pandora so that new song will play first you can promote a tour um, which is great and you can geo-target what market you're going to be in and say hey and you can upload a message and talk to your fans before or after the record plays so all things like that, all those kind of tools make sure you go to AMP and download that and figure that out
5: Can I ask a question to the the audience? Are you the artists and kind of I guess artist uh, managers in the room are you pushing your music to djs to get it played
1: yeah that as well is very- that, that's
3: well that's actually uh, you know what one of the by the way guys we're going to open it up to and A Q&A after they're done the last points um how do people get access to these djs on, on this yeah that's platform?
5: why i'm asking the question <laughs> right because it's um that it's crucially important because everyone's very focused rightly so everyone's very focused on getting music into playlists um but the gatekeepers first place are quite small you know it's the companies um but like i said earlier like having a human connection if you create a fan out of a DJ they're going to be a fan of yours for a long time and they'll keep pushing your music and you can deepen that relationship because they're another human being um, so we, I think that's you know we've seen that a lot with with artists who build relationships with the DJs on our platform we don't currently have the tools to do that if I'm honest we don't have the means to go to Mixcloud and find the DJs that are playing your music what I would say is that it's, it's something that you guys can do yourself by just identifying DJs that you think vibe with you who's playing music from similar artists. Who do you listen to when, as tastemakers and then just make sure you're getting in touch well, with Well,
3: doesn't MixCloud have a thing though like if you
5: upload a mix, it
3: recognizes a song in the yeah. track list, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you make sure you do that? Because, for example, if it's an independent artist, how do they, and the DJ is playing his song, how do you, how does he make sure that his song is in your system? Like
6: so
5: this? so when, um, when content is uploaded, the, yeah. the uploader can, can track list it and we yeah. also then fingerprint it with, um, a big database of music to make sure that we match um, and we kind of use both of those bits of data and then we try and figure out the best and the most accurate version of the track list. Okay. All right, um, did, did you have
3: anything? You were going to open up to q alright right, yeah. Q&A, got. go.
6: <laughs> I just wanted to grow on that because like, what's really helpful for independent artists right now is submitting to record pools. So like for like, for instance, like VPM Supreme or DJ City, and is Mixcloud like that too? I
5: mean, we don't run our own DJ pool, but what happens is, I guess you think of it as a as a journey, right? The artists who submit to the pool, a lot of the DJs on our platform are members of those pools, right? They'll find their music and then they'll use Mixcloud to get that mix out to the world.
6: Right. So that's what's so important. Like, so if you find a couple of DJs that you know, providing them the accessibility to your record is the most important too. So like having a Serato tag record on there to have the intro, the outro, the clean version, the dirty version, and so if you have it in the top three record pools, then your favorite DJ, you can be like, oh, my favorite DJ spins at this place, and go on uh, BPM Supreme or wherever to grab the record, and and it makes it accessible for them, so, like, Mm -hmm. that's a really good point
2: to Mm point out. Okay, um, so is there any modernization um, with your app as far as like, DJs uploading their um, mixes or the artists that are getting spent inside the um, playlists that the DJ make as far as...
5: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one of the fu- fundamental problems we wanted to solve was identifying the music that the DJs are playing and having the right deals in place and then paying all the different you know, labels, publishers, and then making sure that money goes back to the right people that have been played. Um, and right now we're working on something that's going to be launching in the next few months, which is going to be about helping
2: the, the DJs also figure out a way to get, get that on. also goes with like when DJs have flips as far as like different, um, like versions of the song, like too. So that will go towards the artists also? If it's a remix that the, the, the DJ has made.
5: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it depends if it's recognized or not, but generally, yeah, they, if, they're make, if they're playing someone else's music, we do our best to recognize that music. Paybacks to the correct right order.
6: Gotcha. Okay, in the back. Yeah. <laughs> okay. When you use that service
2: visit, is it only the people who are currently following your station or did you get exposure outside of, do you get to build a new fan base on Pandora or is it only people who are following you currently on
1: I mean, when you do voice messages and things like that, those are the people that are following you on Pandora. Um, you could still share your music. Uh, Pandora just did a partnership with um, Snapchat, so you can share your music through Snapchat. All the music is funnelled through Pandora, mm-hmm. but you can share your music on your social media platform, and then you can get more fans from that. Um, so yeah, so it's draw, it's draw people to yeah, draw then, yeah back to Pandora okay. exactly. Me, all right, This <laughs> 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 kind of. Kind of a question uh, directed towards Nick and Dan. Uh, thoughts on because uh, I had an idea as you were speaking. Thoughts on like a song link, but for pre-saves and pre-orders.
5: That's yeah, what we
2: do. <laughs> that's
4: what Dan does.
2: Uh, but, the feature of
0: uh, them. Yeah. So so yeah so you know we so our platform we we support pre-saves for uh, uh, for Spotify for Apple Music uh, and also for Deezer. But you can create a pre-save link that also includes those three stores, but then also pre-orders to Amazon and to iTunes, and really any store you want to go to. And then actually what happens is on the day of your release, that exact page automatically converts to a release smart link. So you don't have to you know, go to a separate place and create another link. All the data stays in the same place. Um, you know, we also support having retargeting data. So you can actually send data to your Facebook Ads account. Now you can go to Facebook Ads and say, target ads to anybody who clicked on my link and uses Spotify. Target ads only to people that like hip-hop and use Apple Music. Um, there's actually a lot of value. You can also say that anybody that clicks from France, you want the whole page to be in French and Deezer to be the first option, where Deezer is the most, uh, uh, the most popular service there. Uh, so there's, I mean, there's a lot of hidden functionality in the data. I'd say, like, you know, if you guys are, are planning... Um, you know putting a marketing plan together for your releases you know use these tools you know use pre-saves use smart links you know use different pages that help you get followers and help you get saves because you know you don't only get the action but then you also get the data that you can re-engage these fans with and continue to contact them
1: and i think you really have to make sure you know the right timing to pull the mm-hmm. triggers because sometimes you guys pull triggers a little too early and then people just kind of bypass or skip your music and then it all it all is for nothing You know what I mean?
2: So you just have to create a little buzz first and know the right time to really market out your whole plan. So um, for Dan, um, so you spoke on um, the sponsorship um, and it's primarily for Deezer, um, but how is that sponsorship? Is it um, actually available for Apple Music as well and like Spotify since Apple Music is more so in-house to like Apple Mm -hmm. or um, are y'all able to like bypass that and kind of give um, the audience of Apple Music artists and um, consumers the ability to see like your sponsorships as well. So the,
0: the sponsored track product is something that's really uh, uh, it's really unique to us. You know, those are it's actually a direct partnership that we have with Deezer where they integrated our technology. Uh, that specific product still so Deezer is going to be our largest partner that has that. Um, but that was actually just where the company started. So we expanded a lot from there. We expanded the ad platform to also have uh, sponsored songs on music websites and music blogs. We're launching Facebook and Instagram ads in about a month. Uh, we also do have standard self-serve audio ads, uh, which are your 30-second audio ads. Um, and then we have marketing tools that do have Apple Music and have Pandora and have you know other services. So the, the sponsored track itself, uh, that specific ad unit is uh, you know, primarily in Deezer is our largest partner, uh, but by utilizing the other, um, the other advertising channels with the different marketing tools, that's how you're going to get fans that engage with Apple Music, with Pandora, with Spotify, with the other services. Um, and of course, you know, we're, we're working towards uh, partnering with more streaming services on the sponsored tracks um, you know, and are hoping to add a few more in the next year or so.
3: Okay, I think, uh,
0: how are we I'm doing? One or two more questions. Okay. Not really a question. I just kind of wanted
4: to add in. You guys were talking about like, podcasts, other content mediums that artists can use.
0: Um so I'm in creative and branding, so I see it all the time. And I just want to recommend if
6: you haven't read it or heard of it, Jab, 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 right hook. Gary Vaynerchuk. Kind of give you the map of what they were talking about.
3: He's
6: a good guy. Yeah. Great. You, too. Right
3: well, I kind of talked a lot. You can go. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, if, it, if, it, if it can be a one-on-one question, that could, that yeah, could also yeah. be happening. It's just
2: period, like, yeah. for like the panel, like, what attracts you all to artists? Like, what is the thing that you look for as far as, like, um, actually engaging and discovering different artists?
0: That's a
3: great question.
0: I would... Uh, from my personal experience, I would say the, the song that hooks me in isn't always the song that ends up being my favorite song by an artist. So when you're looking for which song should be your single, um, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily your best song, right? I see a lot of artists that they say, you know, but this is my best song, this is what I should promote with... But it's not necessarily going to be the song that grabs somebody in. So there was. It's um, not
1: the radio record. Exactly. You know, there was, a, there was an
0: artist uh, that we were running a campaign with that you know wanted to do a sponsorship for a song that just had this like really long intro, and it was my personal favorite song by them. But I said, hey, maybe this other song is going to bring people in, and then they discover your album, and now they you know listen to your other music. So definitely be uh, aware of uh, you know what fans are you know what's going to pull fans in. I would say for myself as a music journalist, a
3: curator, uh, the community part is huge, because Mm -hmm. if there's so much music coming at me, like if people in my circle or my community is talking about what that is, I'm like, I'm gonna check for it, Mm -hmm. right? So that's on an online perspective. In person, uh, treat me like a human being because I feel like artists come up to me within two seconds, yo, here's my card, I'm an artist. Mm -hmm. What can you do for me? Yeah.
1: What can you do for me? <laughs> like like so we're all
3: human beings. You need to think of the people who are in power uh, positions of power. They're human beings. So like if you don't like you don't have to say you're an artist within 5 seconds. You could just be a regular human being just talking about whatever it is. I find that the artists uh, who I've approached say in Toronto or whatever, they talk, they're connecting with me on some other level, not even music. And then after they're like, "Oh yeah, I do music too." I'm like, "Really?" Right. Uh, now I'm like yeah. right. engaged. So you
5: gotta, you gotta think about
3: that, and uh, and uh,
5: and yeah. So like, I think yeah. Sorry, I'm just, i I want to give you someone else's answer because I'm yeah. not the A and R expert. Yeah. Um, but I think what, one of my favorite record labels in the world. Yeah. Or well, I think what probably the best record label in the world is XL Records. Um, the founder Richard Russell. He signed Adele. He signed Tizzy Rascal, M.I.A., mm-hmm. White Stripes. It's a very diverse catalog, brilliant label. And his answer to the question of who do you sign, why do you sign, who you sign, was that I look for artists with vision. Um, they're not going to be followers, they're going to be leaders. They know where they want to go, and then he helps them get there. Dope.
3: Yo, do you, yo, did you guys get any value from this panel?
5: Yeah. Yeah. Some Gs, rock?
3: Dope, dope, dope. As I said... <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to thank everybody. I'm, hopefully, because I have a podcast as well, too, called The column Show Podcast, so I've been recording this, hopefully... We have good audio quality because we're supposed to have mics as well, too. And as I said, as a music journalist, and a person, uh, if if it wasn't for music, I wouldn't be here, right? You artists are important. The game might say you're disposable or whatever, but you're important, and hopefully you get your message out there. And that's why, because when I was getting 100 emails a day, I was getting frustrated because some artists that I knew that were really dope, they gave up because they couldn't break through the noise, right? So I, after, I'm not an author or anything, but after 11 years, I wrote an ebook. I'm like, I have to do something about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wrote an e-book, and I'm doing my plug right now. It's called <laughs> Stop Playing By Their Rules. It's $10. Uh, I accept cash or credit via Square. <laughs> uh, because the reason why is it's a screenshot, like, call to action. It's, like, 50 pages long, and it's, like, uh, especially what I talked about, the Domino's Pizza example that I came up with, and there's artists like him that were doing that, J. Cole, you guys remember Forest Hill Drive, J. Cole? Mm-hmm. He brought fans to his home, yeah. and they heard the album before the rest of the industry did, yeah. and then his record was the number one selling record. That one, I'm, I focus a lot on that one-on-one, how do you connect with human beings because it's too saturated out there. It's crazy out there. So uh, thank you again for your time, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> thank you so Yo, thank you for listening to the the Future of Sharing and Discovery from A3C on the Come Up Show podcast. What did you guys think? Info at thecomeupshow.com. You can hit me up via email on there, at Twitter on the Come Up Show. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that, man. Share that with somebody that, you know, you think can get some info from there, you know, on podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, and all that good stuff. It's your boy, Chetro. See you all next month. Peace. <laughs>